So on on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, I'll work out at home, um, and um, and then she'll work out. So we'll we'll oh. do like a oh. like a hit like a hit session, like half an hour each before we get before we get up in the morning. I'm trying to get wow. her to get a Peloton though. Have you guys seen those Peloton bikes? The spin yeah, bikes? yeah, uh-huh. awesome. I really, I really want, I really want one of those. But <laughs> cool. To our guest, Simon Chard. Uh, Simon Chard uh, graduated in 2012, King's College, London, um, and he has a dental practice uh, located fairly just outside of London. Um, he is also the British Academy for Cosmetic uh, Dentistry um, in the board of directors. He's co-founder of Parla Toothpaste Taps and has just in this year been uh, nominated as the of, or positioned as the fourth most influential dentist in the UK. He is a Sloan Dentistry Ambassador in the UK and he has uh, 23.3k followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome Simon Chart. Uh, it's an honor to have you in our podcast and um, well, one of the first things that really uh, inspired me or, or when I thought, whoa, that's almost the same as my situation is that I'm not mistaken. Your father is a dentist and still practicing in your practice. And your mother, I was not sure, but she was a doctor, but she was also a dentist. She is also a dentist, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks a lot for having me, guys. But yeah, my, um, I, uh, I too come from a a generation of, of, uh, of dentists and my mum actually recently retired um, huh. and she now she's now full-time babysitter for my uh, for my little girl <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah my dad uh, actually now works kind of as an associate for me because my my wife and I took over the practice in 2017 and um, he's sort of like the best associate you could ever ask for because he's basically doing all the stuff of being a boss, but he's uh, yeah. sort of taken a step down, which is very nice. Well, great. Do, do you also think that that's part of, of, of your, the fast movement you have made? Because you, you only graduated in 2012 and you're already, um, well, putting dentistry on a very, light, a very high level. Um, and you Thanks. are already on, on such a, uh, well, skill um, um, uh, level. How, how did you? Do you think that 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 was a part of it? Of, of achieving? Yeah, that? definitely. I, I think I think there's a few factors that have uh, led to that rather rapid um, escalation, I guess, of my career. Um, I think the first thing, and I, I spoke with Kyle Stanley about this before as well. I think it's. I find it quite commonplace with dentists who, and it's not, this is a generalization, there's lots of dentists who are amazing, who have no family connections, but it's the same with people like a Christian Coachman as well as another example mm-hmm. um, of people who, when, when, I think when you are brought up around dentistry, you're, 
for me, I always just, in my head, I sort of had a base level, mm-hmm. which is the amazing position that my parents got to. I mean, and they built an incredible five surgery practice. They built it up from one surgery, incredible reputation, um, and amazing patients who love them. But that was almost sort of, I, I almost assumed that, which is maybe a bad way of saying it. Uh, and then from there, I just knew that I could, I could go wherever, wherever I wanted to. So I think that's one thing. The second thing actually is that I, my first degree wasn't dentistry. So I did another degree in pharmacology, uh, then decided I wanted to be a dentist and then did the fast track um, dentistry, uh, the four year course at King's. And um, I think because when I, when I came to dental school, all my friends were working in the city being bankers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. When I came to university, I kind of viewed it as a job. And so I was very, very driven from an early stage to excel at dentistry. And my, my colleagues and my peers who I was working with, they were, um, they were still in their undergraduate. They were still, it was their first degree. So they were, they were not turning up to lectures and sleeping through lectures. And I was there, I was sort of pestering the restorative consultants to let me shadow them place implants or I was doing a scanning electron microscopy study on uh, toothware and the effects of toothpaste on toothware and volunteering myself for that or doing competitions for endo and that sort of stuff like but anything I could do to improve my CV I was doing it and that led me to getting involved with the BACD uh, as an undergraduate through TIFF Qureshi and um that really was the the starting point i think for for where i've got to in my career so far wow wow so so exactly you do think it that that has a has a role in it and one of the things that i i come into mind because i have a, a practice together with my parents um and my uh, my wife as well and my go and my um my sister but how do you what do you think is the secret for being able to work together um in in harmony because i i i will imagine you sometimes have difficulties as well because it's your family it's always a little bit different working with your family uh, do you have something like a certain secret that that, <laughs> that i'm not sure if there is one but <laughs> I, I i i think i for me i mean me and my wife work very well together because we always have done we we qualify from university together We'd sit in the library together and revise for exams, or she would drag me to the library so I would revise for exams. <laughs> and um, so I think we actually are very well balanced because I'm a I'm a big ideas guy, but sometimes I'm not very practical. And she's very very practical, and sometimes will uh, not um, she won't strive for those bigger ideas because she she wants to sort of stay safe and stay practical. So. We balance each other out quite out quite nicely. We we actually say that I'm the sunflower and she's the root. She was so without the root, I would fly away, and, and uh, she likes to come and see the sunshine. Um, but um, with regards to your parents, I think it's quite a different dynamic because obviously you've always been the uh, in it. I, I guess the subordinate in some ways as as the, as the child previously, and um, it's quite interesting the dynamic as you as you develop as a clinician uh, with your dad over the top of you, sort of overseeing you, because obviously they've had 35 years of experience. They have their own views on how things should be done. Um, and me and my dad have had um, difficulties with that at some points, 
but not really. And actually now I value, I value, I try and be very aware of the time that I get to spend with him at the practice because obviously at some point in the future, everyone will pass away. And um, I think actually the, that added time that I've had is something really special because when we get to, I mean, I was 30, about to turn 34. Um, when you get to 34, most 34 year olds don't see their parents as much as I do. Um, and I think actually that's, that's quite a nice thing for me. I'm sure you yeah. feel the same. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's one of the beautiful things to work together with a family is that you, you get to know your, your, uh, your parents in a, in another way as well. And, and you are, you yeah. can spend a lot of time with them that you were not able when you will be working in a, in a different field or in a different setting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. There, there is, um, uh, you are also a slow dentistry ambassador in the UK. And for sure that made some changes or in your dental practice, or did your family already work with the, with the slow dentistry um, thing in mind, that's so to say? Because it's it's kind of a uh, I, I can imagine that it that it took some well, some things that you needed to change in your uh, in, in your private practice. Um, so I think with the slow dentistry concepts, yeah. I mean, I I've when Miguel came to me with it, it just completely made sense. I've mm -hmm. been doing exact all those things. Um, already and I think that Miguel sort of note, realized that and uh, things like rubber dam are very very I'm very very passionate about um, and I think it's going to be one of the big changes post COVID is that yeah. more and more people are going to be doing rubber dam which is great um, uh, but um, with regards to my, my dad I mean he he does things the way he wants to do them I sort of leave him to it and um, I, I focus on uh, on how we do it and uh, and that's uh, probably the easiest way to do it from my end, I think. Yeah. Great. Could, could you explain a little bit more about the, uh, um, about this, the, well, the, the, what, the way you implement the, the slow industry, industry? And, 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 and how you, yeah, well, I mean, what is the benefit all... for you? Um, so I, I just think it's, I think conceptually, I, I agree with the concepts that Miguel is suggesting. And I think the more we can, pr we can promote good dentistry around the world, then it's going to be a good thing. So the four main pillars of, of slow dentistry are rubber dam, informed consent, good cross infection and correct local anesthetic. And those four pillars are relatively straightforward for people to, to practice. Um, and actually, it's, it's more for me, I think sometimes it's quite difficult to portray to patients why um, your prices are set the way they are. Uh, and I think the thing that Miguel is, is very good at is communicating complicated dental uh, concepts to patients in a way that they understand that doesn't devalue the dentists or, or the way in which they do things. So things like rubber dam quite a difficult concept to, to recommend to a patient unless you're literally speaking to them one-on-one -on -one. when you speak mm -hmm. to them one-on-one -on -one, you can cut you 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 can completely understand it and, and you can uh promote it to your patient directly but when it's done online it's quite a, it, or when it's done through marketing it's quite a difficult thing i think to um conceptually get a patient to think oh i, I want the rubber dam because it naturally appears quite <laughs> scary to a uh someone who's never had it before um 
so that that's why I really like the slow density concept is because of that fact and and obviously now with um with everything that's happened post covid um all of the cross infection control um things that Miguel's been doing has been amazing and um uh, it sort of brought that to light even more than it than it should have been already to be honest because I think it should have been I think we should have been talking more about you never see a cross infection control lecture at one of the big uh, no, never. Uh, one never. of the big uh, conferences, um, and um, so I think it's actually going to be a positive for the profession that has been brought into the light more, so that we can all be safer and our team can be safer. Yeah, I agree. Every and um, if you want to become uh, a part of the slow dentistry movement, um, they uh, you have to you have to sign up your your practice. Will someone come to audit you, or how does it how does it work? To be honest with you, I don't, I don't know specifically the, the administrative level. I don't think someone comes out. I think it's done online. Okay. Uh, and I think you have to send in sort of evidence of what you've done. I'm, I'm a, an honorary uh, global ambassador. So uh, um, Miguel and I have been, well, he's been one of my mentors probably for three or four years now. Okay. Um, so he, he knows the way in which I do dentistry. Um, and so that, that we were sort of grandfathered onto the scheme um but um yeah i think that it's done online for, for it's it, all the all the details will be on the slowdentry.com website yeah we will put it in the in the in the podcast notes so people who are listening notes, right yeah. now and it, and and don't really know what it is uh, they can go visit the website and, and see what is what it's all about because it's really interesting yeah it's great i think i think it's, it's just it's just a really good community of dentists who like to do dentistry in the same way they like to do dentistry to the gold standard yeah um, the things that Miguel's talking about are not, as I say, they're not really hard things. Uh, he's not saying that you have to do socket shield on all your implant placements or something like that. <laughs> um, it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's relatively basic stuff, but it's just the, it's the pillars. It's the, it's the pillars of what I know you guys do already. Um, and um, in that way, I think it's just, Sometimes it's important to actually just focus on the basics and promote the basics sometimes because all of us are guilty of getting sort of taken away by the more complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, there was, um, um, because the slow dentistry, it, it's, it's like a way of, of working. Eh? It, it's like, um, like taking the time for your patient. I mean, I, I, I get the four pillars, but I think it's also... A way of of um, of life. You can also talk about um, uh, the the slow movement. And there there is something like slow dentistry, but there is also something like because we are all in the haste of of our uh, social media, our telephone, uh, quick messages. We we are tempted or to do dentistry quicker because in, in at least in our country the, the the rates are fixed for dentistry. So we have you cannot do something else than a fixed rate so for example everything would be nhs there is no private um, and this makes it very tempted to just treat more patients quicker maybe even two chairs at once or three chairs at once just to get the revenue up and up but finally it won't really um get the well like um satisfied feeling in, in the end and i think slow dentistry is also a part of the way you um well you you, you put your life together 
And uh, that was something that I think is really inspiring when I follow you on the social media is the way you have, um, uh, well, you, <laughs> you have done your, your routine in daily life. You have your morning routine. You have some special things to, to be able to keep up. You, you slow down at, in these moments. You do your slow, uh, well, normal life. C could you tell us a little bit about yeah. how your daily routine looks like? Because I think that's, that's, well, that is something that I find really interesting. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're. You've hit the nail on the head there. I think maybe Miguel should change it to slow, slow life because I think the, the <laughs> exactly. slower you can go, the slower you can go on on some things, then the the faster you can go in other ways, uh, more effectively, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of the so my my morning routine is really important to me because I I really do think that it sets me up correctly for the whole day. I'm someone who has struggled with mental health in the past with regards to anxiety and especially around our profession. And that's something that I'm not, I make no qualms about discussing. Um, and that's why I've recently written a lecture on mental health, which um, I gave a few weeks ago uh, and I'm giving for Invisalign uh, next week as well, actually. Um, but the, so that's, that sort of helped me to form my morning routine, I guess. Um, and I also have done a lot of research into this. I love reading books from people like Tim Ferriss uh, and Aubrey Marcus and um, uh, Tony Robbins and, and all these people who are very, very clear on their um, on the structure to their day and how that actually informs them. And one of the big things for me that I read was from uh, Tim Ferriss's recent book on uh, called Tools of Titans, which is basically um, interviewing uh, people from various different disciplines, business and sports, and basically people who excel in any industry. And he found that uh, about 95% of them, I think it was, did some form of meditation, um, which is an incredible statistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that really sort of re-inspired me to start meditating again. And, and that's normally the, thing, the first thing I do in the morning, which is about five o'clock, so it's pretty early. Um, so I'll, I'll normally meditate first and then I'll go to the gym, um, which is another kind of form of meditation from my point of view. And, um, by doing those two things, I, I, I really reduced, everyone's going to get anxiety about certain things at certain times, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I really reduced my anxiety down by probably 75, 80%, um, by just doing those two things every morning. And then I guess the only other thing that forms a really important part of my routine is, um, is how I eat and just eating well and then making sure I spend enough time with the family. So I block off a weekend each month, but I can't do any lectures. I can't do any social things. And I make sure that I spend that at home with, with the family because otherwise I don't know about you guys, but with all of the dental things, lecturing, going to conferences, actually wanting to go and look at watch lectures myself. Um, and then um, having a social life at the same time, you can, you can lose all your weekends very easily. And uh, Absolutely. I think, I think the, the main thing that slowed down and the main thing that COVID-19 has, has, has uh, shown me is that actually I, I should be doing that even more. And um, I think it's probably made all of us slow down a bit and, and actually re reassess what's, what's important for us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right now it's um, uh, because everything is cancelled. Uh, you finally have some free time uh, and you... 
can also uh, appreciate it. Normally when I come come home, I, I go behind the, the computer and I make an Instagram post and I do this and work on a lecture here, work on a course there. And um, yeah. um, and when you're in the middle of it, it, it all feels good. But when you get some time off, you realize what you were doing and how nice it is that you can sit on the couch, watch Netflix, go outside, read a book. Uh, and that, and that those um uh, that the time off is also really really important but what i notice right now we're slowly getting out of our lockdown and we started working again and everything is coming back again and right now if i look at september october everything is already fully booked and that kind of scares me um because yeah. everything that was cancelled <laughs> i i i have to i i still have, have to, to do, do it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know it's difficult. Um, it's difficult when you're so, you trained your brain to be a certain way and to be a certain level of activity to actually then stop yourself from doing that all the time and read a book is, is quite difficult. But um, I know I, I spoke to one of, I, I, you know, you guys know Bill, Bill Gurgis yeah, from yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I messaged him and I DM'd him the other day being like, oh, lucky you're back at work. And he was like, oh, mate, I'm, I'm jealous of you. I want a few more weeks off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but it, I, I think it's, it's, you just summed it up very, very clear that the, the, um, the, the difference between going fast and going slow and trying to level also your emotional resistance or your emotional balance, your, your emotional fitness. For that's yeah. also very important not only because you do a lot of sports uh but you also take care of your mental health you know it's 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 a yeah it's, a, well, it's, it's, it's a muscle it's a muscle the brain's a muscle that you need to train uh and if you if you constantly trained it in a certain way then that's how it's going to behave and i think meditation for me has been people get the wrong idea about it and they, they think it's like hippie thing to do or it doesn't actually do anything but literally there's randomized controlled trials showing mm -hmm. that it actually helps with well it definitely helps with mental health problems and it can help with chronic uh systemic illnesses as well like not as the primary i'm not saying it's gonna be a primary treatment for cancer or anything but for chronic inflammatory and, and that sort of stuff like actually it's been proven to work in the same way as exercise so um it's, it it's, yeah, it's really amazing yeah it's really yeah. amazing um it's hard it is hard like it, it, is, it is difficult though like when you're when your mind is constantly like oh i've got this this great new idea i've got this idea uh and it's like no just shut up and just like don't think about anything for a minute yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you, you go you go to bed then at, at five because now it's it's six when we started this webinar it was six in your your at your uh place it's six, seven, yeah. seven at ours but... yeah so I, I, I wake up at five yeah, and, and what time do you go to bed? Um, You're not that we're talking to some 10, kind of superhuman. Ten o'clock, <laughs> nine, nine, okay. nine, or, nine or ten, yes. I, I, okay. I tend to have about, probably about seven hours sleep on average, I would, I would say. Oh, okay. That's yeah. nice. And then you're also out and do some work before uh, your your little one is is uh, awake, so you have some some special some me time. Right? That's the thing. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. The, and and that's the thing. I, I think when you have kids, it becomes. I mean, I, I've only got one. You've got two. It's, you, I, I'm I have to pick your brain on how that is later on. But um, 
you've got you've got to find the time to do these things, right? And I think with exercise, the most important thing for me was it's so easy to say I'm going to work out when when I finish work, and then and then an excuse pops up. Oh, this patient turned mm-hmm. up late. This mm-hmm. this overran, and then it's like, oh, I, I, I won't go today. I won't go today. Um, but if you say to yourself, look, this is it's like a meeting. It's like meeting with yourself. Same with meditation. Like it's like meeting with yourself. It's booked in the diary. I can't be late. I can't miss it. You ha- you have to turn up and actually get it done. I think that's really important because, and that's why I just shifted everything to the morning. Because if you if you try and do anything in the evening, either you're you're, you're trading the time off seeing your family, mm-hmm. um, or you just don't you just don't do it. And um, there's always another excuse. So that's why the morning session. People think I'm mad waking up at five every morning, but you get used to it pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. And your wife, when is she working out? Um, so <laughs> when, so she, she works Tuesdays and she, she works out during the day because she only works clinically on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Ah, okay. So, okay. Yeah. so on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, I'll work out at home um, and, um, and then she'll work out. So we'll, we'll oh. do like a, oh. like, a hit, like a hit session, like half an hour each before we get, before we get up in the morning. I'm trying to get wow. her to get a Peloton though. Have you guys seen those Peloton bikes? The spin yeah, bike? yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. I really, I really want, I really want one of those, but <laughs> cool. Cool. Now I was the, the, the part of the, the slowdown and the part of the, the meditation, do you think it might also play a certain role in doing your own uh, dental work? So your own, I mean, your own, your, your own dental technician. Uh, don't you think that because I see the, um, um, the work you've done, we we see it on, on on the social media, and I've at least in our country, I think it's very difficult for dentists to find time to do their own um, dental technique to, to to do their own crowns or their own veneers or to be able to produce that because there are a lot of Cyric machines here, but almost every dentist, not everyone for sure, but a lot of dentists, they have a dental technician in their practice to then finally produce the restorations. How do you, how do you, how are you, how are you able of, of, of doing it? Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've, firstly, it doesn't take me that long. I mean, the I've used Cerec for, since I qualified now. So I'm very proficient with regards to the design process. And a lot of the time I would have got a 3D printed uh, digital wax up made up to guide the, the primary anatomy and, and some of the secondary anatomy. So mm-hmm. all, it, all it takes then is, is a little bit of work with a diamond uh, and a little bit of work with um, silicon spiral wheels. So I've got a, a kit that I had made up by Meisinger, which is uh, the CAD ceramic finishing kit. Um, and so I can just control the, gla- the the luster on that. And then the staining and glazing, again, only takes me about sort of five minutes or so uh, per restoration. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not massively time expensive, but actually it's that last 5% and that passion that you put into it um, that actually makes all the difference. And, and when you see the restorations come out of the mill, they look very mediocre. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when you put a little bit of love into them and just that synergy between the human and the, and the computer, I think that's where you can really get your restorations to sing. Um, I still work with, with the clinical technicians and um, I, uh, I will just send them the digital files, but 
in the in the case that we were discussing earlier, for example, when when you have bleached teeth, um, it, it makes your life relatively straightforward with regards to the ceramic output. Um, mm -hmm. When you have a, a sort of hyper characterized um, C4, D3 with crack lines and loads of translucency on the incised ledge, then a monolithic restoration is never going to be the correct option in that situation. So that's when I'll send it off to my technician. Um, but for, for, for a lot of the work that I do, we'll, we'll have an element of bleaching and there'll be sort of a millennial patient. Um, and so those, those sort of teeth are a little easier to manage uh, with monolithics. Yeah. And, and do you do it um, after your schedule or do you book time off your schedule to, to finish, those, finish those restorations? Uh, so I, I book it in. I, I book enough time to to do that within the time frame of, of the patient's appointment. Okay. So for a, for a single restoration, for a, for like for a posterior unit, it'll probably be two hours. Um, if I'm doing multiples, then it'll obviously just increase probably about half an hour per restoration. Okay. So the patient comes in and uh, you start prepping, scanning. You directly mill the restoration, and the patient leaves with his final restoration. Okay, that's great. Because I think I don't know, I don't work with Cirac, but I know a lot of guys that do. And what I see is that what they do, they let the patient come, they prep, they scan, they mill it in a, a later time during the during the day, and the patient comes back at the end of the day, um, or a couple of days after, but almost never in this in this in the in the same appointment. But it's a really nice it's a really nice take on it. I yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, the, the, the most important thing for me with Sarek is I'm a cosmetic dentist. The aesthetics is the most important thing for me. And if the output wasn't of the quality that I was happy with, then I wouldn't be, I wouldn't do it, number one. Yeah. So I, I always came at Sarek from a cosmetic angle, not as a production angle, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, so that was the the main thing. Now, when I qualified, I was basically put into a practice, given a Sarek Omnicam and told, right, this is what you're using for your crown and bridge, off you go, <laughs> with very little training and uh, and very little anything else. So I sort of I had a very steep learning curve, but I, um, uh, I started working on it uh, and working on the aesthetics from a, from a young stage in my career, I guess. Um, but it's, um, I don't know, I just think for me, as long as I maintain the quality that I'm happy with, the other big, big benefit for, for me for, as a practice is the patient journey is so much better. Like all of our patients are busy. Um, they don't want necessarily to be coming back for a second visit. So if I can provide something of a very high quality, incredibly robust with incredible longevity, I mean, I'm using usually monolithic Emacs, um, sometimes um, monolithic um uh, Empress multi um, and sometimes indirect composites for posterior inlays. Uh, but these restorations last fantastically well. Uh, I'm, I'm yet to touch wood to have a, a monolithic Emacs break on me, um, which is a pretty amazing statistic, really, given the number of restorations that I've placed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, that's the beauty of it. But the patient gets it in a single visit. And I think that that is going to be even more important right now again not wanting to reference covid too much but um for me i can the patient can come in they can leave i don't have to 
see any other patients. We can, we can deliver that final restoration and the patient only has one exposure to us. We have one exposure mm -hmm. to them. Um, so from that point of view, it's going to be, um, it's going to be very useful. And the technology is so good now. I mean, the prime scan that I've got the scan, I don't know if you've seen the, the scanning of the fixture heads that you can do with it. Uh, mm -hmm. you can go right down the, and, or even the, um, I don't know if you saw the, the posts that I milled out of um, hybrid material. Yeah. So I did a, yeah. I scanned in Vita. and milled a, Nemic. milled a, yeah, a Vita Anamic yeah. post. And then, um, oh, it fitted absolutely beautifully. I mean, it was a really, a really cool case. I enjoyed that. Cool. Awesome. And if you, you, you said you also do some composite restorations, uh, some indirect restorations, um, what kind of blocks do you use in your, in your Zurich machine then? Uh, so I tend to use Tetric CAD is my, my favorite one now for my Um I've, I've tried all of them, to be honest. Um, but that one just seems to, I, I, I just like Ivoclar products in general, to be honest. I, I really like the whole system. Um, one of my favorite things to do with Ceric is when there's a, a pre-existing anterior ceramic restoration, like a pre-existing corsten veneer or something. Is to is and I, I deal with a lot of diastema cases, so I have quite a few cases where I've used a, an Empress multi uh, ceramic block uh, with Ceric for that veneer, and then using direct Empress direct um, composite, and and because obviously the optical properties are the same, you can you can do a really nice minimally invasive approach um, of direct and indirect, but the, the color match and the optical mm -hmm. properties are, are the same. Good, yeah. And because I'm hand finishing the, cer the ceramic and the composite chair side, I can get the luster exactly the same as well. So, um, it's that sort of level of control that I really like with Ceric is that everything can be done bespoke at the chair side. Um, and if I mill something out and the shade's not quite right, I can just change the shade very, very quickly, mill it out again. And it's, it's a really easy solution. What, what, yes, what, um, you use the, the, the Cyric, do you, um, uh, because the prime scan and do you think there is a big difference because I saw the prime scan, uh, scanning, I, I only worked with it on a phantom just to try it. I never worked on it with patients. I used the, the trios, trios three scanner, uh, in patients. Do you think there is a, a big difference between between those uh, regarding to um, the, the precision in scanning? Do you think there is there is a difference between prime scan and trios? Yeah. Um, or, I, I, or, or is this a difficult question? <laughs> no, not at all. I, I, I mean, my my understanding, and and as I say, this is quite a contentious issue. So I, I don't like to go too far into it, but no, no, um, I get my it, no. understanding is that, is that is that the prime scan is the most accurate scanner for full art scanning that there is. Um, I think realistically, when you're doing a single unit, yeah, any any of the scanners are probably comparable. Um, a lot of it comes down. Uh, whenever whenever ever, anyone asks me what scanner should I buy, my answer to them is always, "What do you want it for?" Yeah, exactly. Um, and now and now if the answers. I want to scan for restorative for single crowns and send it off to my lab. You can get whatever scanner you want. If the answer is I want to do full mouth rehabilitation and mm -hmm. scan and send it to my lab, mm -hmm. then you should probably look at something like the prime scan because it's very good across the arch. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's incredibly uh, precise. Um, if you want to do full arch implant work with a scanner, then I think <laughs> yeah. that the, the only one that is sort of certified for that at the moment is the prime scan. But, if you want to scan and send to Invisalign, then 
obviously Itero is going to be the best option for you. Yeah, yeah. And Three Shapes got an incredible software with the Implant Studio and the and all the smart design software that it's got built into it. Um, and it's a very very quick and easy scanner as well. Yeah. The Prime Scan, well, for me, going from Omnicam to Prime Scan, mm -hmm. I think I think that the Trios and the Itero were a lot easier to scan with than the Omnicam. Um, but I think Prime Scan probably now is at that same level of simplicity that you can mm -hmm. basically give it to your assistant and they can scan for you because it's so quick. It cuts away the soft tissue. You can scan a full edentulous arch, which is amazing. I don't know if you have any trouble scanning soft tissue with the Trios, but certainly with the Omnicam, it was, it was a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, and I think for me, that what I always say about Serif is at the moment still, I think it's the only chair-side solution that is um, uh, working seamlessly because they've had 35 years of providing chair-side solutions. Obviously, there's, there's competitors coming into the market now um, with uh, the ProGramil uh, 1 and mm -hmm. with, IT, with Align having bought ExoCAD. That's going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm excited to see what comes out of that because ExoCAD is a great software. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys use yeah. that with your trios, do you? Um, really like it, so can so that will be cool to see. But at the moment, I do, I kind of view it like Apple and Android, like they're going to get to the same level eventually. But um, uh, Serac is still Apple, and they're still ahead because they've just got that that R and D experience in the chair side arena. Yeah, yeah cool. Okay. Um, there, there was another thing that I think is very interesting. You're also um, uh, founded or co-founded uh, the, the tablets, the toothpaste, the Parla tabs. Uh, yep. and, and I, because I, I knew the, the tabs already for, for some time, but what, what did you, um, because you're also uh, Oral-B uh, 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 Opinion leader, ambassador, yeah, ambassador, or sorry, uh, ambassador. Uh, what is the the, um, the benefit for sure for the uh, for the parlor and how does it? Um, what, what's the difference, for example, using toothpaste besides the environmental uh, aspects? So, so yeah, so I have traditionally been an ambassador for Oral B, mainly around their power brushes. To be honest with you. Uh, and I still think that they 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 produce the best electric brushes on the market, mm -hmm. me personally. Um, but I'm very passionate about the ocean. I'm very passionate about being environmental and um, and trying to protect the planet because climate change scares the mm -hmm. hell out of me, to be honest. And I think it's something that we all need to take seriously and we all need to work on um, on dealing with. So I've had this whole idea of eco-dentistry and, and ideas about how we can reduce the plastic um, crisis within dentistry for, for quite a few years now. And I sort of looked at ways I can do it within my practice and improve how green my practice is, et cetera. Um, but I didn't really think that I could make as much of an impact as if I go to the general public. So with the general public, obviously the, the biggest plastic issue within dentistry is that all the toothpaste that we're using is in mm -hmm. single-use plastic tubes, mostly 95% non-recyclable, um, and um, and that's awful. I mean, we, we all use it every day. It equates to around 1.5 billion toothpaste tubes per year going into landfill or the ocean, um, and those tubes take around five to 700 years to decompose. So we all 
I don't know if you guys have watched Plastic Ocean on Netflix, um, but when you see that sort of the fish guts opened up and, and see all the bits of plastic inside there, it's scary when I really like eating fish. Um, so um, it's coming into our food stream and it's, and it's causing a lot of damage uh, to these animals. So uh, that's kind of the, 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 the thing that was bouncing around in my head. Um, I don't know if you guys know Rona Iskander, but I, I sat down with her and, and we were having sort of the same thoughts. So we got together and with another colleague at our Stanky, we came up with Parlor toothpaste tabs. And when I first heard about, heard about toothpaste tablets, I thought, what, the, what, what are they? I mean, I've, I've never heard about them before. Um, are they even a real thing? And it became quite clear that actually they were very effective, but most companies around the world that were recommending them because they were part of a sort of a green movement, they mm -hmm. threw, there's a phrase in the UK, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know if you guys know that mm -hmm. phrase, um, but it means basically you just, you, you throw everything out and actually you're losing some good things at the same time. So almost all of them had got rid of fluoride. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, as we know as dentists, fluoride is the most important ingredient to prevent against cavities. Um, and dental decay is still one of the most common diseases in the world. So we should be doing everything that we can do to, to use whatever tools we have to reduce caries. So that was our main thing. Basically, we wanted the environmental benefits of uh, toothpaste tablets that were already out in the market, but we wanted it to come from dentists who actually understand oral health and oral care. So that's where our strap line designed by dentists to be good for you and the planet came from. Um, and so what we have removed from the, uh, from the paste itself is any SLS, so any sodium lauryl sulfate, mm -hmm. any uh, preservatives, and um, any palm oil. So those three things, either for ethical reasons, or I'm sure you guys have patients who uh, have sort of sensitive mucosa and you take them off SLS toothpaste and immediately it resolves completely. So for us, it just made sense to not have something in there that was clearly causing inflammation for people. Um, and actually that's been one of the main thing that people get really excited about because there's not very many SLS free toothpaste on the market. And then with regards to the packaging, um, the, the idea is it's a subscription model. So you order it online, you get a glass jar with an aluminium lid. Um, and, um, because obviously it's not a paste because they're dehydrated tablets, it can be held in a, in a solid vessel and that's a reusable jar. So every four months, you get a, a, a little parcel through the letterbox and it's a compostable uh, starch bag. So it's a plant-based bag. It looks like plastic. So we have to write on it. This is not plastic um, <laughs> uh, because it, it, it's quite funny when you first see it and you're like, well, that's obviously plastic, but um, actually it, 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 you can throw it in your food caddy or you can put it in the compost heap and it completely biodegrades. It's really cool. Uh, and then you just pour those tablets into your jar and that's you done. You never have to, run out of toothpaste again. You never have to squeeze the last bit of toothpaste out of the tube. We've put exactly the right dose of everything, which is another really mm. important point that people um, gave us in, in the feedback is that they didn't really know. And even dentists, I find, say the wrong thing sometimes about how much toothpaste to use because all the companies, they want us to use a full stripe, uh, the whole length of the toothpaste, maybe even go up yeah. like, like a <laughs> yeah. nice, like nice flake yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but we know that's, that's unnecessary. And, um, and actually sometimes with, with younger kids, they're probably ingesting more of that than, than they should be. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the concept behind it. So it's been really well received so far. It's, the press has been amazing. We've been in GQ and Vogue and, uh, and lots of other magazines and the Telegraph and, and that sort of thing. And um, it's really exciting. It's, it's been a lot of work. It's, it's about a year in the making. Um, we wanted the branding to be really strong on it, like sort of a, a lifestyle brand so that there was a, a desire to, to have this product so that we got sort of a movement and um, a bit of following behind it. So we sort of looked at brands like Lalabo and Aesop and, and those sort of um, sort of minimal branding brands. So that's why we called it Parler because it means uh, pearl in Swedish. And... Um, we like that sort of Scandi minimal vibe uh, with the whole branding. Yeah, it completely makes sense. It. The 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 well, the environmental uh, part of it, right? It, it 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 when everyone brushes his teeth and everyone uses a lot of toothpaste, as you just explained. So completely understand. When are you planning to come with a with a plastic-free toothbrush? Because I think that that might be even. <laughs> A more difficult one uh, than than the toothpaste, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of bamboo brushes out there for manual brushing. Yeah, um, but uh, you have, uh, have you tried I've, them? Yet. I'm not uh, so happy yeah, they're with not them. Great. <laughs> not great, yeah, um, but yeah, I'm yet I'm yet to see an electric solution out there. So, oh. um, okay. I mean, there, there, there's there's better and better manual brushes coming out with bamboo. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, we would always recommend an electric as your main brush. Um, mm. It's difficult, obviously, because of the mechanics. I think there's some yeah. there's some biodegradable heads that are available now, which is obviously great because obviously that's the reuse, that's the um, yeah. the sing well, not single use, but that's the disposable elements of it. Um, so I think maybe there's something conceptually there that we can work on. But at the moment, we're we're just focusing on the tablets because I think it's really important for me to be very clear with our directive, and mm -hmm. that's where we can make the biggest impact. Um, and uh and sort of make the most penetration into the market so i don't i don't want to dilute the brand too much by trying to do everything yeah uh, zero waste in every category um i just want to be very very clear and clean on what the message is which is tablets for your toothpaste that's hard enough right i mean that's quite a, a, a mindset shift um to uh to try and persuade people to change something that they do every day uh, and they have done for their whole lives uh it's quite difficult but Thank, we've been we've been so grateful um, that the, the the profession has been very supportive of us, and dentists and hygienists from all over the world have have uh, have bought Parler and they're recommending it to their patients, and and that's awesome. Um, from uh, literally everywhere, like South Africa, <clears throat> we we have a, a new ambassador in in uh, in the Caribbean now. We're in discussions with people from the Middle East. Um, so that's been that's been really great, and and I, some of that's to do with the fact that I have a great international network of dentists who are who are colleagues and friends, um, like you guys through social media, and um, that's the really nice thing about social media. I think is that it gives you the opportunity to find like-minded individuals from around the world.